0: You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS 4 Podcast Studio, welcome to another Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Alongside Mike Chappell and Joe Hopkins, I'm Dave Griffiths. Appreciate you all for tuning in. Our offseason Colts position by position breakdown continues with the offensive line this week, which is not the most sexy position to talk about. Like, we've done quarterback, we've done wide receiver, we've done defensive end, but... But by golly, if we have not seen recently that it is uh, of crucial importance De- to it
1: destroyed last season exactly,
0: and uh, I will uh, make some of the uh, argument that beyond the the problem has gone beyond one season, uh, and we'll discuss that too. But you know, it may tell us how great. Jonathan Taylor's season was two years ago. Exactly. It certainly will. And it'll also highlight uh, some differences in in blocking. But I'm getting ahead of ourselves. We're getting ahead of ourselves. We begin uh, with the news. And there is a... A plethora,
1: a cornucopia, if you will. I've of always moves. tried to stay away from the word plethora. I what? don't know why. I, I don't know. I like it. People used to make fun of it. My, plethora. My
0: my my fifth grade teacher always said that we have a plethora, a cornucopia of whatever to get through today. So it, it's always stuck in my head that those two a words bun, go a together. A bunch of stuff. We have a bunch of stuff to get to today, starting with the cult coaching staff taking shape. And that begins with Jim Bob Cooter. The Woo. 38-year-old Joe loves it to be hired as offensive coordinator. Joe just loves it so he can say Jim Bob Cooter. It's the best name in football.
1: It is. Could you have named, I mean, with your last name Cooter, is there anything else you could have named him?
2: It's fitting. You know, the first name and the last name have to be, you know, in unison. they got to match.
1: It's just going to be strange when we get coordinators when you say, you know, it used to be, hey, Nick, or hey, Hey Jim Bob.
0: I wonder if his name is actually James Robert I believe it is. Jim, okay. I believe it is. Okay, cool. That's that's great. I was like, it could have just been Jim Bob for all I know, but uh, but we'll, he should be
1: working like a Chunky Cheese or
0: whatever it is. You right? know, J- Jim Bob. Cooper. There's old Jim Bob. He's uh, he's over uh, trying to fix the uh, fix and tackle the ticket shops or NASCAR. Yeah. Uh huh. There you go. Yeah. Any of these things. But nope. He's an NFL offensive mind and one that's pretty respected. At that has been the passing game coordinator with Jacksonville last year. We all saw that that worked out pretty good uh, under Doug Peterson, and sure taught Trevor Lawrence how to actually be an NFL quarterback, unlike what happened under the Urban Meyer staff the year before. Uh, so, if, What a train wreck. <laughs> we, we, we keep having excuses to, to bring that up, uh, and that's only because we're discussing an AFC South team, it seems like. But, uh, but with this connection, it gives us another one. Um, in 2021, he was a consultant with the Philadelphia Eagles, and while there, worked with Shane Steichen, of course, And under Nick Sirianni's staff, before that was the New York Jets running back coach and uh, perhaps known to most people across the NFL-wise as being the Detroit Lions offensive coordinator in 2016 through 2018. Kind of made a small name for himself there. He was mentioned a couple times here and there with some head coaching searches. I don't know if he had any interviews back then, Joe, but he, that's when he kind of burst onto the quote-unquote national scene.
2: Yeah, I can't remember specifically if anyone interviewed him either, but I do know his name was tossed around out there because of the job that he did with Matthew Stafford and those young receivers.
0: Right, uh, quarterbacks coach for Detroit before that, and uh, before that, uh Colts fans might remember the name as being an assistant on Jim Caldwell's staff from 2009 to 2011. So, Chapa, do you have any memories yourself of Jim Bob Cooter here? was he a guy who kind of faded into the into the background a little bit, not quite as high profile as some of the, the coordinators and all that that you talk to on a more regular basis? Yeah, not
1: really because he was yeah. an assistant. And, you know, the thing that's important from that time, though, is he, he, he was around Peyton Manning. And, and if you're an offensive assistant, you have some – Influence, input, whatever the, the term is. So uh, that's only good things. And although that 2011, he also saw how you scrambled mm-hmm. with, with Kerry Collins and Curtis Payne or Dan Orlovsky. So this guy's been around. And, you know, we've said in my mind, the three most important offseason hires, without question, were head coach, coordinator, and then come April. And they've got a mesh. And these two guys. Steichen and Jim Bob Cooter are going to have major influence on who this quarterback, who it is, and how it's going to be going forward. And if those are the three
0: quarterbacks, Coach, probably the next one at number four. And you can you can argue that that one might be up a little bit higher, too, if, it's, if he's talking with the quarterback a little bit more often. But the quarterbacks he's worked with, we've mentioned Peyton Manning, Matthew Stafford. Obviously, he was with the Eagles two years ago, so that includes uh, Jalen Hurts. Obviously, he was with Trevor Lawrence last year. Uh, so, so those are kind of some of the names that are thrown out there that uh, that Jim Bob Cooter has uh, has coached before in his career. He'll add another one with the Colts
1: this year to his list. You know, one thing because people say, well, you know, it really Jacksonville took off with Doug Peterson, which they did. Yes, but That's when not you're the, wrong. when you're the passing game coordinator, you're with the quarterbacks every day. You're with them in every practice. So let's not just say, well, you know, that was Doug Peterson. No, uh, Jim Bob Cooter had a big influence as well, and we saw the incredible. Uh, improvement, Trevor Lawrence from, from rookie year to year two. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: undoubtedly, undeniably, for sure. Uh, so the hope is that uh, whoever the Colts bring in can uh, can get some of that uh, juice as well and improve from his college career to year one, to year two, and beyond uh, under this coaching staff. Tom Manning has been hired to be the tight ends coach, per a couple national reports for the Colts. And if that name is familiar to you, it's because he coached the Colts tight ends in 2018 as well. And uh, that was a pretty good year for Colts tight ends because Eric Ebron was here and caught like 20 touchdowns and uh, had a tremendous season catching balls from Andrew Luck. Uh, Jack Doyle was also in that group. So there was, there was pretty good talent among the uh, the Colts tight ends in that group. Uh, nevertheless, Manning uh, left the Colts to be Iowa State's offensive coordinator. And now he's back here to the NFL to be tight ends coach again. Uh, Chap, I... I you can't deny what success they had back then, but you also can't deny that the Colts don't have the same tight end room right now that they had back then either.
1: molly Cox, he, he's the last holdover. So, and again, it's it's always hard to know how much when one, one position group excels or doesn't. How much that coach, but, but again, that coach is in that room every day. He has influence all the time. <laughs> he got he got. Absolutely, the best seat we, we saw the Eric Ebron era. We did every bit of it, every bit of <laughs> it. And, and, and again, let's keep in mind that he had Andrew Luck thrown to him. Exactly. So, and, and, and exactly. that was Luck's comeback player of the year. It was, yes. So, so his best season of his career. But still, let, let, let's not diminish the importance of that. And we'll see later on the staff with, I think Reggie Wayne comes back, and I think he had a great influence on that group last year. So. Yeah, we focus on the head coach and the coordinators, but these position guys—they're with these players every day, so they've got a major impact with them.
0: Chap kind of Joe sneaking in a little little news there. He thinks Reggie Wayne's coming back to the Colts coaching staff this year. At this point, we, we expect to hear the, the entire staff probably released in in the next couple of days, if not the next week before the combine really takes place, because you got to have everybody by then. And we haven't heard of the, anything one way or the other for Reggie Wayne, so he's not tweeting from the beach at least right now. So maybe he's getting to work.
2: Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I, I, it was encouraging to see guys like Alec Pierce be able to go out there and make an immediate impact. Pierce Campbell finally be healthy and, and be a contributor to the offense. And then Michael Pittman Jr., who, you know, has the talent, kind of wasn't able to show his full ability this past season but was a consistent, reliable wide receiver for them.
0: DeAndre Smith will also join Shane Steichen's staff here in Indianapolis, according to the New York Daily News. Uh, he was with the Giants last year as running back coach. Uh, they haven't spec- specified, the report didn't specify where he would be this year, but I do know Scotty Montgomery, the Colts' former running back coach, is a former running back coach here. So uh, that is a position that is open up. And uh, if he wanted to leave the Giants for whatever reason, well, there he is, and the Giants let him go. So. Uh, so it looks like DeAndre Smith might fill in that same role here. Uh, offensive line coach, which is where we'll spend the uh, majority of our day today discussing, Chris Strasser is uh, going to the Houston Texans. He had coached the offensive line here in Indianapolis since 2019. Uh, really had been uh, the uh, raked over the coals a little bit, I was going to say, we be careful. Say, yeah, yeah for, uh, for, for what happened last year in particular, and uh, was... Uh, was kept on last year when other player, when other people like Frank Reich was fired and uh, Marcus Brady was fired. Uh, it, it was plain to see, chap, that the offensive line was the primary issue, or at least causing other problems. You could you could clearly see the issues with the offensive line. Uh, but Strasser maintained his job throughout the year, but he's going to go to the Texans and try to fix their offensive line now.
1: Yeah, I mean, and you you alluded to it earlier, th- this has been a gradual regression of this group, and. We just keep in mind, and we harp on it maybe too much, but this is the highest-paid line in the league, at least last year it was, and it probably will be this year as well. Uh, So all three of those mainstays sort of regressed. I thought we won't get into too much right here, but Braden Smith, I thought, was the only one that really got his game together. I guess he and Quentin did. But most of us expected Chris Strauss would be replaced and, you know, that, that's another one of the key guys they've got to get in place is the off- offensive line coach. I go back in the day with the Colts when they were really, really good. And, of course, they had really, really good players. But they had a coaching staff that stayed intact. And Howard Bud was one of those guys that was here for, for a long time. And if I'm not mistaken, if I remember right, Howard's the one that really uh, suggested Strasser to Frank Reich at the time to bring him here. So. It's time for a change, and we'll, we'll see who that new guy is.
0: And there might be a change also at special teams coordinator, as Bubba Ventrone uh, has been uh, reportedly interviewing with the Cleveland Browns today, Wednesday, as we tape this podcast. Uh, the Colts, uh, according to the report, are, quote, working through it, end quote, which could mean a variety of things. But uh, I was discussing with Chap this earlier, Joe, that uh, if it's just a lateral move— that the Colts can technically block it, but there's also no sense in keeping a coach on your staff who doesn't want to be here. And the Colts bypassed Bubba Ventrone last year for the interim head coach position, gave it to Jeff Saturday. And even though Bubba was at the opening press conference for for Shane Steichen, uh, kind of a show of support at least, I, in, in my mind it looks like, still you wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if there are still some, some quote-unquote hurt feelings there for him being passed over for a job that, I think many of us in the media expected to be his once Frank Reich was fired immediately.
2: And it's a weird situation because if he did make him in head coach, it'd be kind of awkward to then put him back at special teams coach and bring in Steichen. Um, so he was, he, it, the decision was either to make him your probably long-term head coach or he was going to leave regardless. Um, I hope he stays. He's done a terrific job with this special teams, returns, blocking punts. I mean, how many times... In 2021, did that make a major difference in the ball ballgame, um, the special teams coverage? But I, I also think that he wants to be a head coach that's on his list of goals. And if he thinks he has a better chance of getting there by joining the Cleveland Browns than the Indianapolis Colts, and that's what he's going to do.
0: Yeah, Chap, we talked about just the, this, the, the idea of changing from one, one team to another and what the Colts could block it. But it, it, like I said, if if coach doesn't want to be here, then, then why would you keep him?
1: Yeah, I was told yesterday they were trying to work through it, and what what I th- thought that meant was they're trying to talk him into staying. Right. I don't think they were ever going to block block him, I think they wanted b- before they granted, you know, Cleveland permission, they they wanted to talk to Bubba and say, what can we do, you know, t- to, to keep t- you here. to keep you here. Now whether that's more money, we were talking. I don't know that making him an assistant head coach. I don't know if that really works that much for the coordinator. But if he wants to leave and he thinks there's a better chance somewhere else, then you do it. You just let him do it, and you let him out of his contract. And the fact that Cleveland fired their special teams coach and then they immediately requested to talk to Bubba, you only do it for one reason, you want him. Yeah, so and you uh, can read the tea leaves. That right. they had this, this. This was planned.
0: This so was this, not like, this, oh, we just fired a special teams coordinator. Who connected could it be out there? This,
1: yeah. this is connected dots. And tonight or tomorrow, we're going to see that he's signing with Cleveland, which is he played. Was it three or four years? Yep. And great guy. Uh, I never really thought he was going to be a serious candidate here for head coach, although he was like the first guy they interviewed. But he wants to be head coach, and he's got that interaction with players. The way he works with them. And at some point, he will be that next coordinator, the John Harbaugh type, mm-hmm. to get a job, and, and good for Bubba. But they will miss him. This is a this will be a major loss. Uh, again, special teams. Look at look at what he's had to to deal with, with errant kickers, and, and you lose your punter, uh, and he's had a couple of All Pro guys. With was it George Odom and Ashton yep. Ashton Doolin. And Ashton Doolin. And Luke Rhodes has, Isn't you know, the long snapper has either been all pro or pro. Or pro, I thought it was great. group. He's had great influence. This is not a small loss if it happens.
0: Yeah. And as we've said on this podcast before, there's probably few few guys, coaches who know the full roster better than Bubba Ventrone right now. So if he leaves, it's not like one guy's in the room who can really kind of direct the conversation about one through 53 or one through 90, I guess, is as the. As the um, as it goes by with, uh, what's it called, uh, practice squad and all that and people you bring in, but uh, it's going to be the new staff making their own opinions and their own judgments, which can be good in, in its own right, and, and then moving on from there.
1: We, yeah, we talked about last week that the one good thing, this was last week, with Shane Steichen taking over, as well, at least he's got his defensive coordinator with Gus Bradley, which we assume we've not heard. Haven't heard anything otherwise, and, haven't and, heard anybody being interviewed. And, and, and Bubba being back, because then that lets him focus on offense. Well, now if Bubba leaves, then he's got to all of a sudden, you know, put his focus somewhere else, which, it, it, which is not a good thing. But like, like you mentioned, this is, you get the combine coming up and you want your, your coaching staff in place so that they can do their own little areas with these players. So I, I think by Thursday or Friday, we're going to find out who these, who's the coaching staff is. But again, I'll just harp on it one more time. Losing Bubba Will be a big loss. A
0: pair of roster moves to get to. One of them from the Colts signing cornerback Kevin Tolliver has spent three seasons playing in the NFL with the Chicago Bears coming out of college and then Denver for one year. That was back in 2020. Uh, he hasn't played a down in the league over the past two years. Uh, was on the Baltimore Ravens practice squad uh, and I, we, we were talking before the show he's a uh, he's a former top 10 overall recruit in the 2015 class went to LSU as a cornerback so if any of you are big SEC football fans you might remember the name uh, but le- left LSU after his third year there and was undrafted uh, coming out uh, so not not the best decision uh, from him back then to try to test the NFL waters, didn't have the best career at LSU, had one decent season and I was like I'm going to to the NFL and yeah, I was like well uh, uh, how ready are you? And he's been very much muddling uh, in the NFL waters ever since. So this is not, not a major signing. Uh, it's a guy that at one time had a tremendous amount of potential, but now he's just a, a guy who has a little bit of NFL experience that uh, the Colts are bringing in to, to put on the roster right now. And also the second, um, second bit of roster move uh, is that just came down uh, maybe an hour or two before we're taping this today is that the Titans have released a couple players, uh, wide receiver Robert Woods, kicker Randy Bullock, and perhaps most notably left, Taylor, left tackle Taylor LeJuan, who's a three-time pro bowler. And that saves the Titans about $27 million in cap space, which they were in desperate need of saving at the time. Um, but, but Joe, we're going to get into like some offensive linemen and out Uh, Taylor LeJuan's going to be a a free agent as well Uh, but he's a guy who's had success in the past hasn't had the most recent uh at the pinnacle at the top level success but was a consistent um consistent left tackle on the Titans for for a good number of years some injuries have kind of derailed him the past few years but there's a familiar face that will will not be uh on an opposing sideline for the Colts at least not with the Titans next year at least
2: and that's really the thing I know the Titans needed to get back under the salary cap. But if Luan was healthy and hadn't been derailed by injuries the past several years, you pay your left tackle and you find someone else to cut. So so that's what's difficult. I know Lawan said he's considering retirement, so we'll see if he ends up signing with another team or not. He's got his Bussin' with the Boys podcast that he likes to do. He's He's got other things going on in his life. He's gone through so many injuries, so I wouldn't be surprised if he decides to hang it up.
0: Yep. Likewise. So, so best of luck to Taylor in his decision in the future. And uh, so, those are the major roster moves. The franchise tag window has opened on Tuesday. Uh, the Colts could franchise tag someone, but as we all agreed before the podcast, they're they're not likely to do so. Uh, you you would think if they're if a gun to your head you had to it'd be Chase McLaughlin because he'd be the cheapest. Uh, he's a free agent. You can get him for one year, and uh, you Fra- want to bring him back. Franchise
1: tag for a kicker is five point three nine. Yeah. And if you transition him, it's 4.8, which that's cheaper than a contract, but that's just with a gun to our head. Exactly.
0: That, that's the the only reason why the Colts would do it. They haven't used the franchise tag since 2013 with Pat McAfee. With a punter. Yes, indeed. Um, there, there is the possibility for a franchise tag next year if you don't get a deal done with Michael Pittman or Jonathan Taylor. That's That's next year, though, and that has to have a lot of dominoes fall before then. Uh, in the right or the wrong way, as the case may be. So we might have to worry about that next year, Chad.
1: Well, and we'll we'll do a podcast on this at some point. But this year, let's say this year is the year that you had to do it. Franchise for a running back is ten million. Franchise for a receiver is nineteen point seven. Yep. That's only going to go up next year. Yep. So this, that's what the franchise tag does. it lets you kick the can down the road, I guess. Well, the Colts are experts at kicking the can down
0: the road at quarterback the well, last how'd couple Well, how how that work? you got, you know, you're, yeah. you
1: got, you got sore feet and a dented can and you're still in the same place. Yep. No, you're you're actually further you've retreated further behind. You've regressed. So, yeah, it, this is there are several teams prominent that will deal with this franchise tag, the Giants, uh, Baltimore uh can, can you they were throwing this out on TV today. That let's say Baltimore uses the franchise tag on Lamar Jackson, which it, that allows them to go elsewhere and get a contract. Would you give two first-round draft picks for Lamar Jackson, also knowing that you've got to do the contract or not?
0: It's such a great question because he's been hobbled by injuries the last two years. It depends on what the contract is and how much guaranteed money's in well, it. Well, I think, it's but gonna which be, is going to be Uder and Sean Watson. Yeah, so, I, I, start I know. there. I mean. I know. Uh, because he's an MVP. Uh,
2: if I'm the Colt, if you're saying you, as in the Indianapolis Colts, no, I- I'm not doing it. I-, I think between the contract and the lack of draft picks, and I think you have to consider more than most quarterbacks his age and injury history because of how much he runs and how he wins football games. Um, you know, you- normal quarterbacks, you can play till you're 35 easy. Quarterbacks who run as much Cameron. as... Newton. Cam Newton fell off a cliff really, really fast once that athletic ability went away. So I would not do it if I was the Colts. Maybe if I was another team that was—it's hard to come up with one off the top of my head—but a, a team that might be closer to winning a championship right away.
0: Maybe if you had three first-round draft picks over the next two years, like if you made some trades to do that, and so you still have one, and you have to give away two others, like if you're, yeah, if you're Houston, if you're Seattle, like maybe you consider that, uh, but. But I don't know, man. The, the
1: Colts just need to suck it up. And I don't want to say go young because they've got some pretty good veteran talent, along with Taylor and Pittman. But at that position, you've got to go young and build around that young kid and, and use that, that rookie contract for, what, four years and, and really make hay with that rookie contract.
0: The Combine begins next week, as Chap alluded to just a few minutes ago. Players will report on Sunday. Workouts measurements begin on Thursday. I think the quarterbacks are uh, kind of on display, quote-unquote, there on Saturday and Sunday, whether it's out there on the field one of those two days. So we got, we got a week, week and a half, really, until until the, 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 big, uh, uh, the big show comes to the turf at Lucas Oil Stadium. But uh, Joe loves himself some underwear Olympics. Uh, Chap has seen it
1: uh, in in the best days I and spent the leanest too many days. Days of my life down at uh, the convention center, so I'll be there as little as possible. Yep,
0: uh, I'll, I'll be there because uh, uh, GMs and head
1: coaches talk there,
0: uh, so we'll get a chance to to do that uh, with with a couple of the Colts decision makers. But uh, but Joe, I'd imagine that uh, you are. Uh, you, you can hardly sleep at night knowing that uh, the players are reporting in, in less than a week.
2: Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. I specifically, I'll be looking at quarterbacks this year, which normally is a position I don't pay that much attention to. But with the Colts uh, in the thick of it in terms of drafting a quarterback up top, how big is Bryce Young? That's kind of the huge question this year, how is he six foot? Is he five nine? Is he going to be one eighty? Is he going to be two hundred? That that all is going to make a huge difference. And if he's the first player taken off the board, and Chicago trades that pick away or decides to keep Justin Fields, there's a lot of intrigue going around the quarterbacks just how big they are. I think Anthony Richardson, his hype is going to continue to build after he shows off his athletic ability
0: at the combine.
1: Well, he'd be the kind of guy that really. Has a great combine. You
0: would think so, yeah. yeah. If he can, if he can be decent to above average throwing the ball, like he's everything else is going to just pop like crazy with him.
2: And then with Levis, uh, athletic ability is one of his strong suits as well. Mm-hmm. So just showing that, even Stroud, that's kind of one of the questions around him. Everyone thinks it's there, but he doesn't use it as much as he could. If he goes out there and his numbers athletic testing numbers look similar to Richardson or Levis, maybe that kind of shrinks the gap in that area to some scouts. Yeah,
0: I, I'm interested to see Stroud a lot because everyone's talking about all these other guys because you got the crazy potential of Levis and uh, and Richardson. Bryce Young's kind of the quote-unquote consensus or close to a consensus number one. Uh, Stroud's the guy that's kind of fading into the background, but he, he could certainly be considered as He still is considered a a top four, top five pick. So if you're just steady Eddie and you still have a lot of potential being a number one, uh, a top five pick, you could still have a heck of a career for yourself, even though no one's really talking about you that much. What does Hancock Health's membership in the Mayo Clinic Care Network mean for you? It means our independent health network now has access to the knowledge and resources of the world leader in medicine. It means your Hancock Health doctor can now consult with Mayo Clinic specialists to confirm a diagnosis or treatment plan. And it means that together, we're making health possible for you. Learn more about our new clinical collaboration at hancockregional.org front Mayo Clinic. Need new windows? Contact your hometown team today. Hometown Window and Doors are Central Indiana's premier, locally owned, full service Anderson window dealer with master installers. From design to installation, the Hometown Team handles it all. They carry unlimited options with competitive pricing. Call them direct to get 25% off your windows if you call within the next 60 days. Hometown Windows and Doors gives you all the perks of a national brand with a hometown feel. Visit them at hometownwindowteam.com today. The Colts' offensive line last year was not good, and that's the nicest way you could say it. We're not always nice, so we'll probably say some some harsher things than that, but some true things. It's a line that has steadily declined over the past couple years, as Chap kind of pointed at, as I pointed at earlier. So I think the first thing to to get out of to get off my chest is if you view this as a one-year problem, you're not, you haven't been watching the Indianapolis Colts. This is a several-year problem. And even like, even at the beginning of the 2020 season, there were issues with protecting Phillip Rivers. They changed things up to be a much more quick tempo throwing offense, which fit him perfectly. And let me say, the offensive line did get better in the second half of that 2020 season. But that's a blip on the radar to me right there is when there were some problems that that you saw from this line that in 2018, 2019 really was one of the better units uh, in the NFL. So 2020, that happens 2021. They were the third worst pass blocking offensive line in the NFL. According to pro football focus, third worst ranked 30th in the NFL out of 32 teams, pass blocking Eric Fisher, big part of that at left tackle. If you don't have left tackle, don't have an offensive line. But he was not alone in his problems. Other guys had problems. They were a much better run-blocking team than they were a pass-blocking team. And that's why Jonathan Taylor had such a great season. They weren't a perfect run-blocking team, but, um, but I know that they were, they were graded out and considered very highly by, by the coaching staff, by Frank Reich and his staff. And we talked about him with this year with how the, that level just went from, from a really high run-blocking level to a very, very subpar blocking level. That your guys who were elite weren't here, weren't elite or were not here anymore. The guys that were steady to good were steady to poor, uh, somewhere in that range. Like just everyone took a step back. So And Quentin made the, made the Pro Bowl. And Somehow Quentin Nelson made the Pro Bowl. And we'll, we'll, we'll talk, talk about that. But, but, but I think that's important, guys, to note, is that this is not just a one-year issue. Certain, certainly this issue was amplified this year. But this is something that has that is not just an oh maybe 2022 was just just an aberration and uh, you can you can kind of write it away as growing pains for some reason. But th- there have been problems with this unit over the past couple of years, from what I've seen.
1: Let's just call it post AC. Yep. Post Costanzo. Yep. Because, like you said, if you, if you can hide a weakness at at left guard or right guard, you cannot hide. Weakness at left tackle. Can't do it. It just almost paralyzes your, your offense. You're keeping people in to double team or to chip, and it, it just it just kind of impedes your offense. And they've made two back-to-back decisions at left tackle that have blown up in their face. It just has. They, they, they hoped, invested, and crossed their fingers that Eric Fisher would come back from the Achilles which he did, probably too soon. But he he never he never got back to where he was. Good run blocker, I think, at least for the second half of the season. Always a liability in pass protection. And then this year they go into the season, and they decide that that uh, Matt Pryor is our guy, with with one career start at left tackle. He basically was a was a very serviceable journeyman, who you could plug in wherever you needed. But to, to think he can just get the left tackle spot, and we'll be okay—they were wrong. And then they so then they go to to, to Bernhard Ryman, who might be okay. We, we don't know. But but early on he wasn't okay. He, he he was actually worse than Pryor was. It was a penalty or a sack for a well, The Denver, Denver game will be—he's probably got a, a video of that to, to just remind him how bad it can get because that that was bad. But I thought the last half of the year, you thought, you know, maybe, maybe this guy, with another year, this is a guy that's still growing into the position, that maybe he can be the guy. And if he is, you, the line's got a chance. You you can do something at right guard. Uh, I wouldn't be opposed to putting Matt Pryor at right guard. But you 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 can deal with right guard, but left tackle. If you if you haven't got a reliable left tackle, you're struggling from the get go.
0: Yeah, let, let, let's talk left tackle then first, because uh, uh, that is Bernard Ryman, who he will be 26 years old in September, which is pretty old for a second-year player in the NFL. Um, but he, at the end of the day, his, his grade for last year, according to Pro Football Focus, was a 73. And that's like that's respectable, Joe, on, on the level of offensive linemen especially. like If you get above 70, like, you're, you're a starter in the NFL. You're going to get paid like a starter in the NFL. Um, so, so we'll kind of explain some of these numbers as we go along. But uh, Ryman took what was a very, very, very slow start and it improved as the season he went on. He was benched at one point. He was benched at one point, and then the new coaching staff comes in, or the new coach and Jeff Saturday, and, and Ryman's all of a sudden back back at left tackle uh, because Dennis Kelly did nothing to totally win that that job either. His his grade, as we can touch it, was less than sixty for last year, um, but. But Ryman's probably going to be the starter next year, uh, even if you bring in a, a more more reliable veteran backup or somebody who could be more of a swing tackle. Uh, Ryman seems like Joe, uh, with the way he ended last year, is going to be for now, the, the left tackle for now for the Colts.
2: Yeah, from week nine on, Pro Football focuses 21st highest graded in pass blocking. Um, so he really got going as the season went on. And it, I get, you know, the Colts are built to be a running team with Taylor and all they're paying their offensive line. But my left tackle, just make sure you can protect the quarterback and we'll deal with whatever he can do in the running game. Um, I think you go into the season hoping Ryman can really step into that role, but you got to bring someone in to push him. The Colts, other than drafting Ryman, who clearly was not ready, did not bring in anyone to push Matt Pryor at left tackle last year, and we saw how that happened. you got to bring in a swing tackle to either push Ryman or if Ryman shows that – He's not that guy who can be serviceable um, on the blind side for whatever rookie quarterback is back there.
0: And he's got three more years on his contract, being a third-round pick a year ago, making about $1.5 million right now. Um,
1: that's another reason you hope he's the guy. Yeah. Exactly.
0: You can have him for three years and $1.5 million instead of $20 million, which is what a starting left tackle in this league is going to make from year to year. So you hopefully worry about that when it comes uh, in three years. That, that's a problem that you want to have down the road, you know? But, uh, but right now, you, you hope you can take advantage of this. Uh, Brayden Smith, the other side, he'll be 27 years old in March. Uh, so he's just one year older than, uh, than Bernard Ryman, even though he's been here in Indianapolis since 2018. Um, he had 16 starts last year, also allowed seven sacks. Uh, his grade for the entire year, 75.5, so a little bit better than Ryman overall. Um, and I put down his grades from a bunch of the previous years, and it's pretty... It's right along with what he's done throughout his career. His rookie year, he graded out 73. Uh, then he, in the next year, 2019, a 79.8. Then the last two years, 2020, 2021, he was at an 80, which is uh, which is very solid, a yeah. very solid tackle. And that's why he got a contract that he did. Uh, Starting and right tackle contract money, three more years to that contract, averaging almost $19 million a year. Um, and this year, uh, a tick down there a little bit at 75.5, which really... Part of it was accounting for the slow start to the season, which he got better at later. Um, for sure, it was, because it's obviously for an entire year. But uh, but a- a- out of everyone on the offensive line last year, Braden Smith probably had the best year out of anybody start to finish. I know the bar isn't that high, chap, but Braden Smith was the guy who, who at least this offseason, will have the least... Um, the least amount of people clamoring to get him out. Some people would be like, trade Quentin Nelson away for, for a quarterback. We don't care after last year. Trade Ryan Kelly away if you can get a quarterback or a better draft pick. Braden Smith may be the one that's least in that conversation because he had the best year out of everyone who played.
1: Yeah, and, and again, he he was – I was just looking at this, that, that they had seven different starting combinations, seven or eight last year, because of performance. I mean, Braden Smith missed one game, Kelly and Nelson – didn't miss a game, It's so unusual to change, not because of injury. So like, like you said, I think Braden Smith, I, I expect Braden Smith to come back and play well. I expect Quentin to come back and play well. Ryan Kelly, we'll get to him. I don't know. I, I don't know. He's pretty expensive. So whenever people start wanting to get rid of people, Kelly or trade Jonathan Taylor or Michael Pittman, I just keep going back. I default to the fact you're bringing in a young quarterback and you can't cut into a supporting cast too much. I'd rather you cut into the defense and, and, and keep the offense firm. You know, add another strong receiver. And and, and like, like you guys said, uh, a swing tackle, hoping he's your swing tackle. But if he's not, he can be your left tackle. So work to do. I, I like the three guys coming back. Two, I like the two guys coming back: Smith and uh, Bernard, Ryan Kelly. I just don't know. In uh, right guard, you're just gonna you're gonna find a guy to play right guard. But the other four spots, you've got you've got to be spot on with. And if you get get rid of Ryan Kelly, Danny Pinner. So who's your, so we'll go through all these. But yeah, it's not it's not easy. It's easy to say get rid of this guy. It's always tougher to replace him.
0: Yeah, let, let, let's talk all the starters first, and then we'll really get yeah. into the backups here. I think that's a, that's a good way to discuss it. But, uh, but Quentin Nelson uh, last year, his uh, in 17 starts, he allowed five sacks, which, according to Pro Football Focus, is more than he had these previous four seasons combined. Okay. He had four sacks allowed the previous four seasons combined.
1: How many highlights were there? And you can probably do this with a lot of players, but when he was just – Push back, push down, and run over, run over, and, and that's just not like what he's been. So you know, last year he fought injuries. This year, I don't know if he fought trying to help the left tackle or what, but the, that that was not Quentin Nelson. They need him to play like like they're paying him, and and if he if he struggles again and this line's really going to have trouble. Mm-hmm.
0: You're cooked if you're paying a guard $22 million a year, and he's playing like a guard who should make $1.5 million a year. You're absolutely cooked because you're just eating a bunch of your salary cap in an area that nobody really puts your cap in that area. There's, the value is not as high. It's more valuable to pay a skill position player some of this money um, because they can make a greater impact on the game. Um, Quentin's grade this past year 2022 was a 68.4 so he's the lowest that we've talked about uh, so far lower than both tackles Um, the year before in 2021 he was graded only a 69.1 and as Chap alluded to he was battling injuries last year this year he was not and he graded out a little bit worse and this also goes to my point that if you think that this is a one-year problem this is not a one-year problem there's been some regression with Quentin Nelson Last year we thought, oh, maybe it's just the injuries. Well, well, what's going on this year then? There's been stepping back of the product we have seen on the field. And I can't sit here and tell you I know everything that's gone on off the field to make this happen. But I can tell you what's happening on the field. And it hasn't been good. It hasn't been what is expected, I should say. Because before that with Quentin Nelson, he was grading out 86, 91, and then his rookie year was right around an 80, a 79.7. So he's had back-to-back years in the 60s now, which is unfathomable for for the start that he had to his career. And yet he somehow made the Pro Bowl this year again, like, like we say.
1: I think what's needed, and they're going to get it, is a new set of eyes from the head coach, from the coordinator, and from the offensive line coach. They're coming in here with a clean slate. They have no preconceived notions of who these guys are, and they don't care if Quentin's been a four-time first-team All-Pro, they're going to be coming here and just say, let's look at the tape, and this is what we've got. And last year wasn't any good, wasn't very good. So I'm not saying they're going to – again, you just can't make massive changes. You just it, right. The roster doesn't allow it, the cap doesn't allow it, and the available talent on the market doesn't allow it. But I think it's a good thing to have a new set of eyes – On this group, maybe more than any, to say this is what we we perceive was wrong, and this is how we think we're going to fix it.
0: Yeah, Joe, I think Chat makes a great point about uh, how a new set of eyes can be helpful. A coaching staff that uh, that doesn't care who you are, (laughs) for for lack of a better way to put it. Exactly. Like I didn't draft you. You you can you can stay. You can go for all I care. But um, with Quinton, I I know the talent he has. If he is healthy, I think that he could. Still be one of the better guards or the best guard, uh, right along there with you
1: just wish he was a left Zach tackle, Martin,
0: exactly in the NFL. But
2: yeah, they're paying so him to be one of the best linemen, they're, yeah. not just a guard, exactly. Um, because he was supposed to have that kind of impact, and partially because he helped reset the identity of the offensive line. The offensive line was a problem in Indianapolis for a long time, it got Andrew Luck to retire pretty much. And then they draft Quentin Nelson, and all of a sudden it starts coming better. He comes in as the ass kicker type who, you know, is going to st- intimidate the defense, uh, try to run a st- stunt on Quentin Nelson, and ask Melvin Ingram how that happened, uh, how that turned out in LA against the Chargers. Um, but that's just been missing the past two years, and especially this year, where he, he, like you say, he ended up on his butt more than I've ever remembered seeing Quentin Nelson end up on his butt I, I know he had back issues two years ago are they lingering has that kind of zapped some of his strength I know the back can be a very tricky thing um so I, I I don't have an answer for why the regression has happened have hopefully this new coaching staff can get in there motivate these guys and help figure it out because uh, Quentin Nelson not playing up to his contract is going to hold this team back.
0: And if you're talking about the guy who is supposed to set the tone for the culture of this team, you go back to Kayvon Thibodeau doing Snow Angels. I was on just going to say,
1: yep. you want to talk about changing the culture? Two or three years ago, I can't imagine anyone on this offensive line allowing that to happen. Mm-mm. Quentin might have gotten thrown out of a game. And I might have been okay I, with it. And that. I would have been okay with it. <laughs> yeah, what was
2: there to lose against the Giants? The season was over, they it, were already it, losing. It spoke
1: volumes that nobody, it, it reminded me of several years ago with Matt Hasselback and he just got punished on the Pittsburgh sideline, and nobody came to his defense. And you just can't have that. You just, again, step up, and, and whether you think Nick Foles is a great quarterback, doesn't matter. He's your teammate. And that just, that nobody, e- e- even receivers, I mean, no one, but the offensive line, that's their guy. And the fact that no one did anything, I know, it, that that's happened so long ago, but that spoke volumes about where this offensive line was.
0: Out of all the meetings that I wish I could have been a fly oh. on the wall for, that one might be at the top. Might be like I'd I'd love to be on, in the meeting with Jim Irsay, uh, Chris Ballard, Frank Reich when they said when Jim Irsay said Carson Wentz is gone. I would love to be in the meeting with Chris Strasser, Je- uh, what's his name, Je- Jeff, Saturday Jeff Saturday, and the entire offensive line when. He just, I, I have to imagine, lit them up and ripped into them.
1: And whatever he said wasn't strong enough. Exactly. They deserved everything they they, mm-hmm. they got and, and more. Yep. So the other starting guard last year, Will
0: Fries, will be 25 years old uh, in April of this year. Started nine games, was active for all 16, just a second-year player. A seventh-round, I think, pick last uh, two years ago out of Penn State. So starting in your second year as a seventh-round pick does not – overly common. His PFF, pro football focus grade was just fifty eight point four, which is honestly what I kind of expect for a guy in his second year who's a seventh round pick, uh, which is a below average grade there. For, if I remember
2: right, you played tackle at Penn State. I
0: think he did, yeah, exactly. So he's also transitioning to a guard role, which is completely different. So he has two years left on his contract, about a million dollars per year average. That's neither here nor there really, but it,
2: and I want to go into next year with Will Fries as my backup guard. That That's what I would feel good about. A backup who has some starting experience, and he was okay for, for stretches during the season. There are parts where he wasn't. I think he started, was benched, and then they ended up going back to him. That happened a lot last year. It did. Um, but, but they need to find someone else to come in and feel better about right guard because whoever you get quarterback, especially if they end up going with Stroud, who's – the pocket passer of this crop of QBs, you need to be able to protect them.
0: There, there was significant problems last year, and we talked with Ryan Kelly multiple times about communication there. And I don't think, I don't think there was problems with more, more with communication than with Ryan Kelly and, and Will Fries and that area right there on the offensive line, because it just seemed like that, that was always where teams were really, like just. Throwing whatever the Colts were planning into chaos, whether it was Matt Judon multiple times running stunts, because that game is just burned into my memory because I was there in New England for that uh, debacle.
1: Nine sacks? It yeah, was,
0: I, 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 I lost count, so you're, you're probably right. Uh, I don't think it was double 60 digits. 60
1: sacks. Yeah. It Franchise was, record, 62. Woo, Come on.
0: hey. Yeah. Yay, guys. Good job. Center Ryan Kelly will be 30 years old in May. Started all 17 games last year. He's been the starter if he's been healthy since he was drafted by the Colts. His grade last year was not good either. It was a 64.3, which was actually better than his grade in 2021, which was only a 56.9, which again brings me back to the fact that this has not been a one-year problem. And in spite of the differences between pass blocking and run blocking and how they were better run blockers than they were pass blockers a year ago, there were significant problems with this offensive line that last beyond one year. Ryan Kelly's also had pro football focus grades. If you go back to 2020 of 69, which is pretty good, 73 in 2019, 74 his rookie year. So he's been, unfortunately, on a steady downswing, has been Ryan Kelly. And he got injured his rookie year, near the end of his rookie year, and there have been just neck, shoulder, has cropped up here and there with him from little time little to time. A little knee here and there. Yeah, uh, from, from year to year. And it, it's at the point where it is something that is a continual issue with Ryan Kelly is is his health. And it's, it's unfortunate because I love – I still do really like Ryan Kelly because he's easy to talk to in the fact that he will be honest with you uh as and much as he wants to be, yeah, and accountable with you uh, when uh, when you get him in the locker room post game and professional with you in the locker room post game. Um, but chap, you said earlier you you made the point earlier that he's making a lot of money right now and if the Colts want to save some money, like, if they want to save real money for some reason, and you're looking at guys to cut, and you're looking at guys who have not lived up to what they're being paid. Ryan Kelly might be one guy that is considered.
1: You you always look at the at the cap in, in guys that okay they right now they're like 13 million under the cap, but they they can create so much if they want to with with Matt Ryan. You're going to save 17. Nick Foles you're going to save probably only like a million and a half. But then you look elsewhere and, and it's Ryan Kelly. You're going to save, what, Joe's about about $8 million, 7.8, which is fine. It really is. But I keep coming back to what I always default to. Then what's your plan B? <laughs> what's next? What's next? Again, it's easy to cut guys. It's just easy. Just cut them all and start over. But, but you know, the back of it is Danny Pinner. We all kind of think he's more accustomed to being a center than he is a, a guard are you ready to go into next year with a young quarterback, Danny Penner, center? Or do you think you can get one on the market? The Guys are on the market for a reason. Because Ryan Kelly would be on the market yep. for a reason. He he might be the most interesting discussion they have uh, before they have to do anything, is what to do with Ryan Kelly, if anything.
0: I, I think he comes back again. I, I if, if you're going to have a rookie quarterback, I think you want the guys in front of him who have been here a little bit longer, who have been Pro Bowlers, and you, you hope that the new coaching staff can come in, like you've said, Chap, and kind of and, and tweak this thing to make it better. I don't know if it's going to be what it was ever again. Not with this unit. It
1: doesn't have to be.
0: Exactly. It just needs to be not what it was last year. So. <laughs>
1: What a low bar that is! Yeah, It, it
0: really is, Joe. Joe you've put yeah. together a couple numbers here about uh, about what could happen if he's released with the salary cap, and like Ryan Kelly is one of the guys who's who's higher paid on this team, but but still, even if you cut him, it's not like you're saving ten million dollars in the salary cap right now. It, it, it's much less than that.
2: So this is why I think he might be back. Is you, you cut him pre June, you could save. So you're gonna have four point five million in dead cap if you cut him before June. Uh, that's all this year. If you cut them after June, you get to split it between this year and the 2024 season. But that doesn't do you much good because by June, like the, the free agency period's basically done by then. What are you going to spend that uh, $10 million on? So it basically has to be pre-June release. So you're already sinking $4.5 million into them. And then if you go out and sign somebody, you know, not not even like a superstar center, not that there are any out there this year, but maybe someone de- decent like Ethan uh, Posich, I don't know, of the Browns. He was PFF's third highest graded center this last year. He was with the Browns on a one million one one-year contract last year. Maybe he gets six this year. So that's $6 million plus the four and a half of dead cap, and you're basically back to what you're already paying Ryan Kelly. So if you, can think, if you think you can get a significant upgrade at center, in free agency and pay basically the same amount, go for it. But like Mike said, you got to play someone at center. I don't think anyone feel great about Danny Pinter after how he played last year. So. Yeah, for at least continuity's sake, it does make some sense in that regard to keep Ryan Kelly.
0: Need new windows? Let the Hometown team help. Hometown Windows and Doors is Central Indiana's premier locally owned full service Anderson dealer with master installers. From design to installation, we handle it all. Carrying nationally known brands like Anderson with more options and competitive pricing. Call us direct and get 25% off your windows if you buy within the next 60 days. Please contact
2: your hometown team today. We are Central Indiana's premier, locally owned, full service Anderson dealer. National brand, hometown feel. The story
0: of Hancock Health is all about you and everything you need to live your healthiest life. Like Hancock Regional, one of the nation's safest hospitals, And an independent health network with over 70 doctors at more than 30 locations around East Central Indiana. We're growing and evolving to help further your story. And we're just getting started. See all the ways Hancock Health and you can work together to make health possible at HancockHealth.org. Let's get to the backups then for the Colts because those are all the starters. We've gone through them. Matt Pryor is perhaps one of the more intriguing names because, as bad as he was at tackle last year, and really even when they moved him back inside to guard, his Pro Football Focus grade was forty-four point nine.
1: He was benched at three spots. He that, played played three different spots.
0: That's hard to do uh, to, to get benched at three different spots. But he was also shuffled around because the Colts they, had no idea what they were doing. So to to to, to his credit, right there, like they, I don't want to put everything on him
1: here. They they put three or four or five people in positions to fail yep including Jeff Saturday yep but Matt Pryor they they, they the entire offseason they tried to make him into a left tackle changing his body type changing his technique and he I think he went through boxing training to try to make him into what he wasn't uh, and, and so then when they when that didn't work they put him back to guard or, or right tackle and he wasn't prepared for that.
0: It's all messed up after that. Correct. After you've been trading all offseason for, for something different. So,
1: so again, where you're going, I, I, would, I would not be opposed to bringing him back because it's not going to cost much. And let him be that movable part because he can play three or four spots.
0: If you, if you train like that. So if you get back to what he was to, like last year, the, the previous year, he had a pro football focus grade in 2021 of 76.5, for crying out loud. And that's why the Colts wanted to try him at left tackle. Like, you know what? He can change his body type a little bit. We can try to train him. So, so I don't want like, to completely rip on the Colts for trying to make him a left tackle right now. What, what, what they deserve criticism for is not having any backup option. And then just also really not having many backup options inside, so throwing him over there. So, so like you said, they, he was in a position. He was thrown in a position where failure was much more likely than not. And that's part of what coaching and front office work in the NFL is, is limiting your options for failure. Is If this doesn't work, have some type of a backup plan. And, and with the offensive line, with uh, Matt Pryor in particular, there, there wasn't a quality backup plan. He allowed six sacks last year, by the way, and nine starts, which uh, for a, uh, a ratio is not, is, is, is not good. You go over an entire season, that's like 10, 11 sacks in a season.
2: I guess my only thing is, I, I get it, he trained all off to be the left tackle. And I, I get why he failed at left tackle because most players fail at left tackle. There's only a few good ones in the NFL. There aren't 32, but I guess I don't understand completely why he struggled so poorly at going back to guard or right tackle where he had played pretty well the year before. It's not like the scheme changed. It's not like he forgot how to do it all of a sudden because he spent one offseason training at left tackle.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I, I, I I get it. You might be a little rusty. You might be, you know, different pass sets Was and his confidence like that. shot? Maybe his confidence was shot. But I just don't understand how all of a sudden he forgot how to do, you know, like bring him back to be that movable piece. They needed that movable piece from him last year, and he apparently forgot how to do it. Now, the entire offensive line struggled. I think it was a systemic problem with the Indianapolis Colts, and that's why they have a new – Coaching staff coming in. But. Couple,
0: uh, sorry, uh, didn't mean to interrupt you. But a couple other offensive tackles there that are on the roster: Jordan Murray and uh, someone who sounds like he's more of a, a lord of Victorian era England. Arlington Hambright have been signed to reserve and future contracts uh, with the squad as well. So, I, I, like, here's the deal with Jordan Murray: like, I go into the locker room, I see him, and and he stands out because he's a big dude. He's a large human being. Um, but but very much a project working on, uh, as, as is uh, Hambright to be signed to a reserve future contract right now. Um, back up, uh, guard, you go to Dakota Shepley right now, is the only one really on the roster, and uh, he's also a center, by the way, he claimed off of waivers in January from the Dallas Cowboys, was active for four games, but did not start at all, has never started in his career. Um, So there's there's your backup guard right now. As Chap said, you you might want to improve on that this offseason sometime or maybe even have a starter and have Will Fries as your backup. Uh, At center, you have Danny Pinter there. who's a backup. His pro football focus grade in 2022 was also dreadful, very uh, similar to Matt Pryor. Pryor was, what, 44.9, and Pinter was 44.7, which is such a disappointment for him after finishing again 2021, very strong, being a backup, uh, coming in when Ryan Kelly was out, he graded out in 2021 as a 74.7, um, and he, he, he was one of the first to go this year when it, things were not working out at right guard for him. Uh, only made three starts, and so he only has one year left on his contract. His one year, $1 million left uh, from his rookie deal. Uh, the, the Ball State product, Chirp Chirp, uh, need, need, needs a better 2023 if he wants to stick around with this Colts team any longer, Chad.
1: Yeah, because it, they threw him in there. Because keep in mind, we two guys that we haven't mentioned, Mark Lewinsky and Chris Reed, were, were two major, major losses to free agency. They were never going to bring them both back, but I had hoped they could bring one back. But they didn't for obvious reasons, and those two guys were major losses. And then for the running game, Jack Doyle, but that's, uh, that's another podcast. <laughs> so I, I go back to... Four or five years ago, when Chris Ballard was talking about building the offensive line, he said, ideally, you want to go into the training camp or into the season. You normally carry nine or ten. You want to have like eight guys who you consider starter quality. In the last couple of years, that's not been the case. The
0: problem is every NFL team wants that, right. and there's just not that many guys out there.
1: But, but you certainly need better depth. Better, everybody has depth. Everybody has numbers reliable depth than what the Colts have had the last couple of years because as we saw when when things didn't work they, there was no backup plan that was feasible or or that that worked
2: yeah well they took 2021's reliable depth and said you guys are starters now and then didn't do anything to replace those depth pieces mm-hmm. and and that's how we got to where we are what? sorry go ahead Oh, that's that about
1: it. There, uh, I, was I was just gonna
0: say Wesley French as well as on the roster right yes. now as a center. He was a practice squad member last year. Has two years left on his contract.
1: The French family appreciates you getting that in there. No, no, no problem. <laughs> uh,
0: if French fries can be the backup l- offensive line for the Colts, I, I, that's that's not the worst thing in the world. Uh, but I, I don't want to see them starting anytime soon.
2: What about if they brought in uh, your guy from the Eagles, Isaac? Help me out with say this. A Malo. Say a Malo. Yes,
0: Isaac. Uh, probably the the pinnacle. Uh, well. The pinnacle interior uh, or guard in on the free agent market uh, this this offseason. Had a pro football focus grade of 75. Um, had a 90-plus pass block grade from week 11 on last year. Really finished strong with the Eagles. Hey, if he and Shane Steichen are boys, get him over here and, and put him on that line. You always look for
1: those connections. You, exactly. Because they, there's going to be three or four players that he knows mm-hmm. and, and likes and, and trusts. So... We should go down. We should have a podcast
0: where we at least have all the Eagles free agents too, and then see see exactly significant like twenty
1: significant. Yeah, there's a bunch
0: of them. Yeah, they do. Uh, So, like, certainly the Colts won't get all of them, but like you said, if if there's two or three that come and have an impact here, uh, that that would be worthwhile to do. We'll we'll put that in the in the back pocket for uh, for a for a lean week sometime pre free agency at least to bring that up. But you got him. You got Nate Davis, who was playing for Tennessee last year, who was a seventy plus in his Pro Football Focus grade. Uh, but 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 you get further along and there's there's guys that are that have been starters in the league but but are not elite players. That's why people let them go. If you get to a certain point and like Chap has said with the Colts in the past within the Peyton Manning era, it was, it was they were just guards that that recycled in. That's what a lot of teams decide to do with that position. So if you really want somebody who has some experience and, and to pop in who you know is not gonna be an elite player, there's some guys out there. But uh, but nevertheless, uh, the 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 pickings are lean. At, at tackle, Orlando Brown for Kansas City is 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 one of the best left tackles in the NFL.
2: He's not going anywhere. Exactly,
0: that's the problem. He, he's staying in Kansas City. They're they're going to either franchise tag him, or they might franchise tag him and then resign him. If
2: the Colts wanted Orlando Brown, they should have traded with the Ravens when he was available.
0: Exactly, that was the time to do it when they had a couple guys that had uh, that, that that they liked there, and then wanted to trade Orlando Brown. Kansas City made the trade. It was a big trade. They gave up a lot to get Orlando Brown. But now they're happy. They've won a Super Bowl. I'm not saying that's what gave them the Super Bowl. They've got this guy named Patrick Mahomes. But, uh, but yeah, Orlando Brown is is very happy with it, with how things handled uh, I'm kind of looking
2: out. at this here. There, there's a few good tackles available. Uh, Mike McGlinchey of the 49ers is another one. I,
0: they're mostly right I, tackles, though. They're
2: mostly right tackles. And I don't get the sense anyway that the Colts would be in a high-end tackle market. Um, you, you, it just seems like paying another premium position along that offensive line isn't something that's in the cards. I am intrigued, however, by some of these swing tackles. Kelvin Beachum from Arizona, he's a guy with a ton of starting experience, 17 starts last season, 147 career starts, has played left and right tackle, and he was pro football Focus's 30th highest graded tackle last year, so he's still getting it done at age 33. He's a guy who I could see come in and be that swing tackle for you in case Uh, uh, Smith misses games, or if Ryman uh, is struggling again, you can put Beecham over and at least get decent, passable production at left tackle for your rookie quarterback.
0: There's a couple other players. Cameron Fleming, who was with Denver last year, has played both left and right tackle in his career. George Fant, an offensive tackle for the Jets. has also played both, uh, had a knee injury last year. He was limited last year. His career year was two years ago. Had a very solid at least pass block grade there. uh, on left tackle was a uh, 75.1. um, so some other notable tackles, I think there's an interesting name in Andre Dillard, who is yeah. a, who was the Eagles, another uh, the Philly Eagles guy. Last year. That's right. If Steichen likes him, like I said, uh, the Eagles were were in a unique position that they have Lane Johnson at right tackle, and then uh, they had an uh, a prospect left tackle in Jordan Milata who was an Australian uh, league football player who developed into a left tackle and and they made it work and he's there now and he's their guy at left tackle. So that allowed them at the time to trade, um, trade prior uh, with the Colts because they still had Dillard there as well, who was a first round pick in 2019. But now Dillard's another name that that could come up if they want to go elsewhere in, in the uh, in the backup tackle market themselves. So uh, that could be one connection there. Uh, Andrew Wiley from Kansas City was their starting right guard a year ago. He's played right guard and tackle. I mean uh, right tackle and guard rather. So if you want to really invest in guard, but again, like we get to this point and chap, you made it earlier. The Colts already had the highest paid offensive line last year. If they're going to do that again this year, like, okay, but obviously money, just throwing money at the problem doesn't work. You need the right pieces that fit. You need guys that can communicate better a lot more so than they did last year. And hopefully you get some eyes on it from this new coaching staff that can put the right pieces in the right positions and make significant improvements than what we have seen, not just from last year, but from the past several years.
1: Yeah, the, the highest paid line basically is the three guys. That, that, that's, where yeah. the, that, that's why it's so, it's so steep. Again, I can go back to, and you just mentioned, get a new set of eyes and, and sort of get a get a fresh start with these guys. And I guess early on you have to decide is, can we can we resuscitate this group with, and it's got to start with those three guys and Bernard Ryman. Again, I don't want to dismiss right guard, but that's a, that's fifth on my list right now as far as the offensive line priorities. So see where these guys think they are with the offensive line, and then see if these guys. I'm, I'm with Joe. I don't see how they they can budget another ten or fifteen million dollars. For a free agent lineman, I just don't see how it works. Right, and yeah. even
0: if, like you said, Joe, if you cut Ryan Kelly, like you save some money, but there's still a dead cap hit, and then you want to pay somebody. If you want to pay someone who's good, you're going to eat up all the money that you saved immediately right away. So if you do it for somebody who you think is better, okay, but uh, if you do it for someone who's just a, a, an older veteran who who might work out, then then what's the point?
2: Yeah, yeah, and and. I guess at the end of the day, they can go out and sign somebody, but it has to be the right guy. I mean, we've seen Chris Ballard strike out continuously on these tackles. One example, uh, last year, looking at Dennis Kelly, he signed for the same amount of money as Cameron Fleming did with Denver, $1.2 Kelly had, what, 58 PFF grade? Yep. Fleming had 72, 29th highest graded. uh uh uh, tackle in the league so they've they've got to get the right guys in there not just a guy but someone who can come in and produce hopefully new coaching staff staff can help with that because it seemed like last year no matter who they put in they were struggling
0: and they certainly haven't really devoted many high draft picks if we're looking at the draft we won't go too deep in the draft uh but they haven't devoted many high draft picks toward offensive line sits taking uh, Braden smith and quentin nelson uh, back in 2018, um, it's been Javon Patterson and Jackson Barton in 2019, both seventh round picks. Danny Pinter in 2020, a fifth round pick. Will Fries in 2021, a seventh round pick. And then last year was Bernard Rybin in the third round. They finally did take someone at least a little bit higher on day two instead of d- day three in the draft. But uh, the, the, it's not like you have you have these this group of guys who have been developing the past couple years that have been like highly. Sought after guys in the draft that you think can step into one of these positions. They're they're, they're not there right now, so th- it's a spot that you 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 think there's got to be some look looking outside of what's been in the rooms to to solve some of the problems that have been inside the rooms. And you hope that what has gone on inside the rooms can also uh, can also get better, can can improve. Uh, right now, the Colts have a first, second, third, fourth, fifth uh, round picks. Right now, but you figure, uh, chap. Once again, who knows what that's going to look like once they make uh, make moves that might need to be made near the top of the draft. Well,
1: you just have to assume that the first and second round picks are gone. To get uh, your quarterback, to get right? Your to quarterback, get up to one or two, yeah. I can't imagine them going one, two, and three. I, I wouldn't think they would include. I think they
2: start to dig into next year? Well, they're going to have to do that anyway. Yeah,
1: but yeah, I, that's why I, t- to think they're going to get offensive line help in the draft. It's going to be a. A third or going to be a guy like Ryman again, like a guy who's so. not ready at the beginning of the year. Who, who you think you know? At some point, it's got to be pretty, be pretty good, but not right away. They need guys that when they go into camp, these are the guys that we can go into games with and be ready. So uh, they they've got tons of work to do, uh, and and a lot of it's on the offensive line.
0: Undeniably so. Uh, the the position on the Colts that was uh, if you looked at it three years ago. Uh, you you loved where they were, absolutely loved it. That's kind of highlights how life in the NFL yeah. is. It can change.
2: So like did that. the Colts, and then they just kind of ignored it for the next several seasons. And well, here yeah. we are. Uh, now they really they got to come away with this offseason with a starting right guard and a swing tackle.
1: We appreciate they they, they didn't they didn't ignore it. They were wrong with their picks. They, uh, that's they, a better way to put it. They, they didn't, you know, like Ryan Gregson didn't ignore it. He just had wrong, the wrong too many wrong picks. Right. They didn't ignore left tackle. He was wrong. wrong. Uh, was Pick Fisher
2: instead of Charles Linna.
0: Yep. there you go. Yep, yep. It's happened too much, and whoever that pay rookie instead quarterback of is,
2: I haven't even mentioned that yet. This I, like,
0: I still Who's love Quiddie. Christian
2: Darasol. I think about him far too much. Yeah,
0: I'm like I, I think <laughs> I think about him less just because I do love Quiddy Pay. And, I, and I like I, pay. Yeah, and I think that. After last year, I'm much higher on Quitty Pay than I was before last year. I think just stay that, healthy. exactly when he stays healthy, I think he's
1: really he can really if be he's a difference healthy, maker. He's a ten sack guy. He's strong on the run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's what you just you need a stud. Yeah, you just on the need you a stud
0: left tackle, and you stud on the other side. But you also need a stud left tackle. And Joe Joe makes the great. Need point a lot that, more studs. Yes, studs, not duds. Let
2: this be the offseason of the studs. Yes. It could be t shirt. Yes, <laughs> studs not
0: duds. Let's do it. And starts with the combine that's coming up this next week. Find out who those studs are down at Lucas Oil Stadium.
2: You guys are going to be speaking with Ballard and uh, yep. Steichen on yeah, Wednesday, no, right? I mean, next
0: yeah, week, right. Uh, that's the plan. So, so, uh, so maybe next Thursday is when we'll drop this next podcast. We'll talk about what uh, what some of those leadership in the leadership in the cults have to say. And I'm sure they will be they will be so eloquent and loquacious about the quarterbacks in this draft and tell us everything that they're thinking uh, on those top picks. Drag
2: Ursay down there. He might actually tell oh you He might
0: actually, yes. That'd be dangerous. We need to
1: keep him away can, from the can, combine. Can you imagine
0: Pete Ward just trying to rip him away from people at the combine? Like, Jim, this way? No. Or maybe they, they need to get uh, text down there. Well, they taking him
1: down uh, there. He'll say, you know, that Ohio State quarterback looks pretty good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just to really just to,
0: stir uh, it up. To, exactly. That, that'd be great. Or... Yeah, and uh, uh, that Georgia quarterback looks really good.
2: every two weeks, just have him throw out a new one. Big exactly. battle
0: show up
1: with an Alabama jersey on. There you go. He
0: might show up with a Kansas jersey because his, uh, his yeah. son, congrats to, uh, to Cole Boward committing to, committing to Kansas uh, and playing What's football the there. Play? The Westfield product. Uh, he plays football. He was quarterback. Quarterback? Uh, for the Shamrocks of Westfield. So, uh, yeah, I saw a nice picture of the family there. All of them have their Jayhawk jerseys on. So rock chalk Jayhawk uh, next time we see Chris Ballard uh, as he will be – maybe maybe he'll head out to to um, – where, where is Kansas? It is um, Lawrence? Lawrence, Kansas. That's right. All I can think of is Manhattan. I knew that was Kansas State. Uh, so thank you, Chap, for, for filling me in. Anyway, uh, plenty more positions on the Colts still to go. Um, next week, we'll be uh, mainly with uh, with Combine and, and Chris Ballard and Shane Steichen. We'll probably have a full coaching staff by then, too. So looking forward to seeing you all next week. Follow all Mike Chappell's work online, fox59.com, cbs4indy.com. You can follow us on Twitter combined, at Colts Blue Zone. Mike Chappell is at mchapel 51 I'm Dave Griffiths, at G underscore sports. See you next week on the Colts Blue Zone podcast.